Hey team, so for today's podcast, I sat down with Caitlin and Gemma from Fusion, a local community organization who help at-risk youth. Now, it's a phenomenal conversation. I highly recommend you stick around for the next 60 minutes and pay attention to it. But before we get stuck in, something I want you all to know about, and we talk about it during the podcast, but this is the Sleep in Your Car event. So very keen to get Virtus uh, and the Virtus community to get around this event and support it. It's on the 6th of August uh, at Mornington Park. Basically, we spend the night connecting with our community, uh, eating some good food, listening to some people talk, uh, enjoying some music, uh, and at the end of the night, we sleep in our car. So basically, it gives us an opportunity to take a step towards empathy, to get a little bit of experience as to what it might be like for you know this at-risk community, uh, not only in Morning Peninsula, but you know, nationwide and worldwide, what it feels like to not have necessarily have the same bed to sleep in every night. Um, you know, massive opportunity for us to connect with our community, to do good things and to get the Virtus family out in force. So I will put some links below. We talk about in the podcast. Uh, enjoy. Really, really important episode today. So make sure you get around it. Be amazing. Love you lots. Alrighty, beautiful people, we are back for another episode of the Virtus Performance Podcast. I'm here with Gemma and Caitlin from Fusion. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having us. Hey, Lockie. Thanks for coming. And uh, I had to twist your arm a little bit, Caitlin, to come on. You were very apprehensive at first, but how are we feeling now? Because you don't look nervous at all. Oh, that's great. Good. Banksy's here. Yeah. We're on the couches, we're comfy, we're ready to go. So plan for the next hour or so, we just want to dive in and I want to chat to you guys about what you do, what your day-to-day looks like, uh, what Fusion is, and we'll, uh, we'll round it out by talking about the Sleep In Your Car event we've got coming up in a couple of weeks because Virtus family, get around it. It's, uh, it's, going, to be, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be cold. Yes, it will be cold. Um, but... That's the whole point of it, right? Is a little bit of discomfort to That's to right. Yeah. It. Yep. We can't all have a nice warm bed every night and some of us unfortunately truly can't have one. And we know that not everyone can experience homelessness by going to a sleep out experience like this. Yeah. But what we do understand is it takes it takes really trying to see life from another person's point of view to do something within yourself that we call empathy and um, it, I think it's a very healing process for all of us to enter into, not only for those that we are seeking to know what life is like for, but for ourselves. For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, let's start from the start. What, what do you guys do? In a nutshell, if, I, if you were elevator pitch me, what do you guys do? We work with young people at risk and young families. We're seeking to help our community to thrive by supporting those around us that are most vulnerable. Good answer. Great. Elevator pitch. Anything to add? No, that's pretty pretty (laughs) much it. (laughs) All right. So as as a whole, tell me about Fusion as an organisation. Okay. So we're a national organisation. So we've got centres um, right across the country. Um, and each centre identifies the needs of its community. So what we do here on the Mornington Peninsula will look a bit different to what they do on the sunny coast or in Sydney or across in WA. Um, and, yeah, so coming out of the needs, um, Fusion Mornington Peninsula has been been around since 
late 70s, early 80s, um, and uh, through a process of um, connecting with local council and uh, local groups, um, we landed in the the centre that we're currently in, which was the originally the Balcom Army Barracks. Um, and so, yeah, so the, the the team back in the back in the eighties started as a, a drop in centre in Main Street. Yep. I think the building where Subway is is that right? Maybe I say that a fair bit, and yeah. to be honest, a few people correct me. Oh, but okay. look, there. I say that. Too. There's yes, look, there's not enough of them around, so I think we can still get away with it. <laughs> Roughly in that district. Yeah. Yeah, Arrows Drop-In Centre. Occasionally folks come out of the woodwork that say, I used to go there when I was like 16, which is really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So it started as a drop-in centre um, and, yeah, and then as I said, it sort of snowballed and then um, the team moved into the the building really just in a kind of caretaker role. Uh, Then there was an incident um, in the city where two young boys were sleeping in a, a dumpster and they actually got tipped into the back of um, wow. a compactor truck and they were only able to rescue one of those young boys. Oh, so yeah. one died and that really impacted the team here, recognising that that could have been the young people that they work with. Um, so, yeah, I kind of went from there and we've been housing young people ever since. What is something that you wish was common knowledge around what you guys do day to day? Because I guess, because I guess, yeah, and 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 we can spend the next hour talking about all of them and, and things like that. Because I guess the, you know, most people would look at the, you know, sunny, shiny Mornington Peninsula and not see the underbelly, and not see the homelessness, and not pay attention. But it doesn't take much awareness to start to notice that hey, everyone isn't you know living in a multi-million dollar house on the beach. Yes. So across. All sorts of research programs ever since I've been around Fusion and young people, there's always been a really strong um, disadvantaged uh, message that comes through. So whether that be the Mornington Peninsula has 10% higher average of young people experiencing depressive symptoms. That's one, for example. We have um, some of the most disadvantaged communities within the peninsula here. And not and, and those of us that live here, we know where they are, mm. but it might not be the whole region, yeah. but those pockets really struggle. Yeah. Now we're seeing what we're seeing within the housing crisis. Those fo- folks will be struggling more. Yeah. And what we're seeing after lockdown with the rises in family violence, more depressive symptoms, we have a, a very fragile cohort of people that every day all of us are rubbing shoulders with the way that we behave around those folks can be pivotal to their being able to get through that day yeah so when we throw around words like being kind or looking after your neighbor it can be like something that you say just to you know, because it seems like a good thing to feel, say. Feel good about yourself for a yeah. second and carry yeah. on living your life, right? Yeah, but to be honest, it it, it runs a lot deeper than that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because I guess like from our perspective and, and part of this conversation is I want it to kind of be an awareness awareness piece, but also a kind of what can we do to help or what, what can we do about it piece. So, um, yeah, what's the... I guess what... Oh, let's, let's maybe start with what, what does your day-to-day look like? What do you guys spend your days doing and advocating for and working on and how is that 
you know, working towards improving the problem and how can the community, wider community engage in this to, you know, not just have a you know, big problem on few shoulders? Big question. Oh, look, it's a pretty glamorous life, Lockie. <laughs> I can you imagine. Know, we just get up in the morning and, you know, tiptoe through all these folks <laughs> that are getting housing now and it's just so wonderful. <laughs> I, I yeah. No administration at all. No, no compliance I, to burden you. Yeah. So my day-to-day is um, – so my role is the business manager, yep. which also encompasses, um, you know, fundraising, managing volunteers, um, so yeah, kind of I guess back end sort of stuff. So not I'm not um, I don't know on the front line with the young people as such. Yeah. Um, although working from our offices, which is in the housing service, I certainly get to get to know them. Yeah. Um, so and they move in with you at times. And they move <laughs> in with us. <laughs> um, so I certainly do get to see yeah see lots of stuff. But um, yeah, my role is really about. Um, yeah, largely about the resourcing and communicating. So making sure we have enough money to do what we want to do, what we need to do, um, and, yeah, communicating that the best way we can um, within our broader community. And yeah. Gemma gets to do all the hard stuff. <laughs> yeah, what does your day look like, Gemma? <laughs> I'm not too sure. Can you come back to me in a week? <laughs> no, I, I, so I live on site yep. and I generally start my day with a cup of tea and just sort of walk around the building and make sure everything's where it should be. Nothing to, you know, someone might be having breakfast, say good day. I think the most important part of my day is making sure that the people that I interact with feel seen yep. and valued, have someone smile when they enter the room. And um, at times there's a whole bunch of crisis that's floating around that. Yeah. And now our, we have a very incredible team Caitlin isn't the only member of it and connecting with those guys and each one carries it's it's a lot of responsibility we don't accept a large amount of government funding because we want to be here for another 40 years and we also understand what best practice is for people that are at risk and sadly sometimes government funding can limit what you're able to do yeah um, and so th- there is, it's a big risk. And make so making sure our team are also seen and valued. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, and, and keeping that overall harmony, making sure that we all know what we're doing yeah. and why we're doing why it. We're doing, yeah. Because some days it's, it's pretty heavy. I can imagine. Yeah. I can only try to imagine. Um, what? How big is your team? I think we have like six, de- I would call, department leaders. And then there's other folks who are still core. They not, not might not be leading something, but yep. they're a core part of the team, which yep. we probably have another, I would say, if you include the op shops as well, maybe another six on top of that. And then, um, and then we'd have around 30 active volunteers 30 to 50 active and then folks, other folks that come out of the woodwork for events like sleep in your car or um, around Christmas time. And it it is a, it's a growing beast. We're looking at building units for um, young families experiencing homelessness on site. So there's always this, 
feels like sometimes that we're really greedy. We want more, <laughs> more, more. Yeah. It's not that we're greedy, Lockie. It's that there's... There are we drink big. We think yeah. that we can help more people. They, yeah, Caitlin, which, there's more needs. That's what we want, right? Like, yeah. Like you guys want to be in that position where you're constantly trying to level up the amount of value and the amount of you know, help you can distribute. That's right. I mean, that must that must almost be the hardest part of your job. Like, I know, Caitlin, we've spoken about a little bit that, you know, constantly feeling like you're asking for, you know, resources <laughs> in different ways, shape, shape or form. Can you speak to, like, what that's like knowing – the impact it can make, but then also, you know, how, you know not wanting to, I guess, you know, keep going back to the same well all the time. Yeah, it's really challenging. It's, um, yeah, I mean, we have sort of, I guess, two major fundraisers in a year and then uh, two appeals. So we have our, a big fundraising dinner, then we have sleep in your car, we have a tax appeal and a Christmas appeal. Um and then we also have people who are regular monthly donors. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and then we're, you know, th- but that, that doesn't cover everything. Um, so we're applying for grants. Um, but it is, yeah, it's like a constant, you know, need. We need to, to continue to raise that money. Um, and, it, yeah, look, it's, it is really hard some days and we... <laughs> You know, some weeks you'll look at the bank balance and go, oh, okay, this is, <laughs> this is yeah. tight. Um, and then a grant comes in and that gives us a boost or, yeah. you know, some person just comes out of the woodwork with, you know, an amazing donation or yeah. um, or what have you. Um, so it does all get covered, but um, I don't know. I think for all of us who are on team, we just, um, I don't know, we just believe in the work so much. Like we... Um, I don't know, you just see the changes in a young person or, you know, an opportunity that comes. I, we, actually, we were just at Homeground Cafe, which um, does uh, hospitality training for young people. And they were just, um, we were just watching them learning how to carry multiple plates and, um, you know, cups of coffee. And, and it was just like, it was actually just really heartwarming watching them. And they were all taking it so seriously. And they were like, first they were just carrying a tray and then they'd add one <laughs> cup or they'd carry one cup and then they'd add the next one. And um, you just look at stuff like that and go, that's why we do it. That's why we keep asking for the I mean, money. You see the, yeah, you see all the, you know, all the emails and all the calls and that mm-hmm. presented to you in an action, in, yeah. a, in the growth of an individual or a group of individuals. Yeah. Um, and I think I think one of the things we've been trying to do over the last couple of years, and Gemma, you know, probably, you know, has been doing this for years, but is trying to more and more, um, I guess, bring people on the journey <laughs> um, or get them to engage with the fact that um, if we can make <laughs> life better for these young people or once we build our little village for young families, if we can make their life better, then that actually enriches our whole community. Oh, for sure. Um, So we're not just asking people to support us, whether that be financially or through volunteering or what have you, because we, just because we need it. Yeah. But we actually believe that that will have a long-term benefit for the whole community. Yeah. Which I guess that's, that's what we're here for, right? We're here to grow community and build community and, and help not only, help the people who are most at risk but help them contribute back to their community how did you two both get started with fusion and how long have you both been a part of it 
I was hoping you wouldn't origin, be. Origin stories. Yeah, origin stories. Yeah, my favourite. Okay, <laughs> so I've been working for Fusion for around 15 years. Lived on site for 15 years, probably a bit longer. Knew about it. I, I actually used to run, manage um, the Video Easy store in Benton Square yep. before there was a um, – before video DVD went to <laughs> DVD heaven. <laughs> And um, I, I got out before that happened, but I used to run the store and so um, I worked for a group of stores and I was some often not at my store but training managers or doing stuff in other areas and I trained my young staff because, you know, labour hours and labour costs yeah. and um, to operate the store without my presence. So I had, you know... 16, 18 to 18-year-olds receiving stock, processing stock, dealing with customer complaints, opening, closing, all the things that were required to operate the business, um, follow up with um, distributors like Paramount if there were problems with the stock delivery, all those sorts of things, yep. um, ordering items. And then um, used to have these customers come in at least once a week. There was a couple of folks that seemed to be in there, you know, uh, late 20s, early 20s, they seem to have their act together, but then they'd have like six really intimidating-looking young people with them and they'd walk around the store and they'd get stuff. And, you you know, when you're working in retail and you've got things like Xboxes and Playstations, <laughs> yeah. you keep an eye out yeah. and you think, this is a problem. But then they had like a carer with them and they were in a group. So I started asking questions. I reasonably... Um, blunt when I meet people <laughs> and um, started to work out where what they were connected to and then one of those guys came back to the shop and said, I'm going to run some little community engagement um, programs around to build community yeah. and he's standing there with one of these young people with him and uh, a balloon animal that he'd been making <laughs> and I love. thought... You're off your head. <laughs> and the next thing I know, um, I'm going along to a community meal there, sussing them out yeah. and and seeing folks do life together with this cohort of kids. At times you couldn't even tell which one was the worker and which one was the young person. Yeah. And I thought, this is powerful. I wonder if mm. there's something I can do to be part of this. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I got really in over my head, really. Uh, ended up moving <laughs> out of a nice home with an in-ground pool in Mount Eliza and into a refuge with our eight-year-old daughter at the time. Yeah. And, yeah, wondered if I had anything to bring to support young people. It wasn't until I started doing some youth work training I realised I'd been doing youth work for a long time. Yeah. And, yeah, then a few years later I'm running – I'm the team leader and the rest is history. Yeah, wow. What was it? What was it that kind of was it? Just curiosity that made you start asking those questions and dive in, or was it something? Um, I was looking for the kind of meaning in in life that is not equatable by a financial bottom line. Yeah, and um, I wanted to choose to live by those values. I wanted to demonstrate to my daughter that life isn't made up with the 
the rule book you're handed in school. Yeah. And I also am, I have a strong faith and I believe that we all are part of making the world a better place where we find ourselves. So all of those things, and I'm a passionate, headstrong person, (laughs) gets me in a lot of trouble. So that's kind of... Caitlin's face when you you said that you're... uh, (laughs) A couple of things you've said, I, I can sense that. I can sense that already. Yeah, and I'm not making any apologies. <laughs> Good, which we love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah awesome. What about you, Caitlin? Yeah, so I came across Fusion when um, my kids were, I don't know, I, I keep saying a certain number of years, but as yeah. they get older, that time Changes. frame's changing. So. And there was, there's a few of them, Caitlin. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so probably when, uh, Soph was maybe in about year nine, I'm guessing, um, she went to one of the local church youth groups and it was really through that. So at the time Fusion and, uh, and this church, you know, did camps together and and what have you. So it was really through, through that connection, um, just as a parent initially and, uh, and the kids going on camps, um, and it was really interesting because I, you know, growing up and um, and and the choices that we'd made about where we lived on the peninsula and what have you, we hadn't, you know, really rubbed shoulders with a lot of the kids that we now support. Yeah. Um, and I actually just really loved like sending Soph and M off on Smash Camp, <laughs> which is like this camp in September, which was mental, really. Yeah. Um, and it was just this weird blending of, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it, but um, it was great. It was really good for all the kids who were on, on those camps. Um, so, yeah, so it kind of just sort of went from there, sort of, you know, floated around as a parent for a, a few years. Yep. And then uh, I had some time uh, where I offered to volunteer. So I was volunteering in the office. She Got came to me and said, to training. I'd like to help and do some things. And I thought, do you really? <laughs> I don't know what you seem really functional. Are you sure you? <laughs> I'm really sorry in advance. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was, um, I don't know, maybe about five years ago. I'm yeah. not really sure. So, um, so yeah. yeah. So now I'm kind of stuff. Well, truly entrenched, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, obviously Peter as well, running the op shops and, yeah, so it's a bit of a yeah. family affair. <laughs> love. Um, but, yeah, I just think that, um, I don't know, I just recognise that, you know, every young person deserves, like, the opportunity that, you know, my kids have, um, you know, and we don't have everything by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but, you know, we're relatively functional family. <laughs> We've done okay. And so I guess, I don't know, I figured we might have something of value to offer. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I, f- I find it fascinating how, like, we live in such a wonderful part of the world and we're so lucky. And when we when you have the perspective of, you know, working with people that you guys have worked with or just being in different parts of the community, you start to realise how how um, how impactful, how much of an impact the like effectively the birth lottery can have on your life, right? Like people talk about, you know, I've 
worked my way from X to Y and, you know, I did this by myself or, or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, purely a lottery. We either get lucky or we don't. Um, but to know that there are people like you guys in the world who are actively trying to make your communities a better place, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, so, bravo. Good from you guys. <laughs> Could you... And, and I guess this is... Kind of know the answer to this question, but do you feel as though you could go back to the living the lives you lived before? I am so disinterested in chasing mm. money. I, yeah, yeah. I, it, it, um, the capitalist world is a puzzle to me. Why <laughs> we bother? Yeah, I walked. I ha, I've been helping my mum, who's become quite fragile, and she needs help with her shopping. I, I don't go to shopping centres, and none of us did during lockdown. So, yeah. but walking around one of the local larger shopping centres with my mum to get her stuff. Yeah. I can't believe all of the things that go into the shop. People ta- buy the things and then there's more things that come. And every few weeks there's different things and every <laughs> single shop is filled with them. What are we doing? Yeah. What a waste of our time and energy to put these things in our house and then all those things come to our op shop. <laughs> now, keep bringing those things to the op shop because yeah. it really helps our bottom line. Yeah. But what are you doing? What a waste of a life. Yeah. You know you you know who know I don't know what your spiritual background is, but from a lot of our points of view, you get one. I don't want to do it accumulating crap. Yeah, and then, and then you've got too much crap and you can't move. And, and you have arguments and break bust up relationships because you want more money for more crap. Yeah. It's Doesn't just, it's sense, nonsense. Yeah. We are we are blind to our own nonsense. So, yeah, uh, uh, the thought of being in a, any sort of a corporate world or a bottom line, oh, it makes my skin, skin cruel. At the same time, we're trapped in it where we have to ask for money. Yeah. But, um, you yeah, know. Did you feel that, do you feel that um, resistance against, I mean, because you've kind of got to play the game, right? Like, yeah, it is a, a game. Show, yeah. You've got to play the game and you've got to be part of the rat race to, you know, drive the drive the contributions in the way that allows you to do the most work. But at the same time, you despise the system that you need to yeah. contribute to. Yeah. We and spend a lot of time thinking of people like yourself, Lockie. Thank you for Locke. <laughs> Thank you for him, his heart. He really wants to help the community. That's great. What a great person. Just so we can see the people. Yeah within the system that are also part of the system and value those people because it's not the individuals it's what yeah. we all get stuck in mm. that's a problem not that we have a problem with you uh, yeah, well, no, but this is it. like i journal on this yesterday that like everything like the cities we live in the pathways we take the you know the way we you know the roads we drive on like everything is man-made and everything is made up mm-hmm. and you know in a from a I find this whole circle of influence thing fascinating, right? Like my circle of influence is so small. What I can control and what I can't control is so minute and, you know, the insignificance of that, I love that from a, you know, what do I get to do today and how can I make my world a better place? But we all kind of just fall into living the way we live, right? And and it's not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. It's just the way we do it. And it takes people like you guys and, and people who are actively going, you know what, like, I see the system, I've become aware of it and I understand these certain rules that we've set or even like, you know, almost like frameworks that we built on the fact that we built, like they're there because we've decided that they're there. And you guys are actively going, okay, well, this is a system that's not working for a whole community of people. What can we do about it? Mm. 
um, there's no question. I'm just kind of like riffing to get my head around it. But <laughs> um, yeah, what what's the uh, so if you know outside of I guess there's the volunteering side of things, but what can people do to help contribute and to help? Because um, this is a com- community wide issue, right? Like it's not Mornington. Like you guys are Mornington Peninsula centric, but it's you know it's universal. So what can people do to Build those or build those actions into their lives to help. And it's like the you know, million dollar question. Mm. Yeah. So I guess there's I don't know I guess there's a few core things, but one is education. So understanding what um, what's going on in your community. So I mean the peninsula has a, a beautiful facade, and it's really easy to ignore what you know. You scratch the surface and find out what's really going on. Um, so yeah. So I think education, understanding what's going on. Um, I guess, yeah, from a practical level, we're always looking for volunteers. People can, you know, donate money, uh, you know, like there's all the obvious kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think, I don't know, I feel like that education one is, yeah. is really the biggest because that's when um, I think all the other things flow from that. So once you um, understand and start to be impacted a little bit by yep. what you're seeing, what you're hearing – that's when you start thinking about, oh, I need to, this is I how, need to do something. you know, am I doing, you know, my life in the best way or am I contributing, am I using my resources, yep. all that sort of stuff. And I think considering the values that you live by, that your family lives by, yep. really checking out what they are, challenging those, is this someone yep. I want to be, yep. um, is this, you know, and, and, and you start those thoughts you create them into, you know, habits that then has that transformative impact to change your character that influences those around you. That and that and and particularly parents, you know, you are you raising children that have the capacity for compassion? Yeah. Or are you raising children to be part of the capitalist society? Yeah. Because that we don't need more of them. <laughs> It's been a problem for a while and it will be a problem in the future or are you bringing people that have the capacity to bring healing and joy and love to themselves and live happily with whatever they have or are you just going to, you know, insert another rat into the race? And and for me it comes down to the core of your person as the values you choose. Yeah, and that's, uh, I'm massive on values. I think being able to identify and articulate the things that you value is incredibly important. And you know, the fact that some people get to 20, 30, 40 years of age and haven't and can't articulate their values, I think, is part of part of the wider problem um, mm-hmm. because it kind of you, you leave yourself almost blind to a whole. Yeah, you know, a whole experience of you know actually doing the things that you love to do, and and I guess there's that, you know, there's that push and pull in you know in the like you said the capitalist society that we live in where it's like well, okay, well I've got to go to school and I've got to get a job and I've got to buy a house and I've got to do X Y Z, and I've got to follow the path, and then you get to you know a lot of and you know, I'm in a very fortunate position here where I, I I'm lucky enough to be able to talk to so many different people in the community. And just the, it seems, and, you know, we attract a certain type of people into a place like this, but so many people don't love the life they live 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's almost like the crux of the issue. If if you appreciate and are grateful for and have perspective and are able to enjoy the life that you live, then your capacity for giving and capacity for contributing to everyone else grows. Mm. Um, what's, you know, with the journey that you guys have both been on and are still on, what are the things that you think have helped you shift from, like we mentioned before, kind of like your pre-fusion life and your post-fusion life, like what are the things allowed you to make that transition and then kind of go, well, fuck, there's not a chance in the world I'm going back? I think for me, just realising that just none of that stuff matters. So um, I guess over Peter's and, and my, you know, like our married life, we've gone through the different phases. So we've yeah. gone through the you get married, you buy a house, yeah. you have your babies and then you buy another house <laughs> and you think that that's – and you decide you're going to send your kids to private schools and then you realise that was a really bad decision. <laughs> then you have to sell your house and then life goes to shit and <laughs> then you have to kind of regroup and figure out what's going to happen. Yeah. And in the middle of all that, you go – why are we doing any of this? Yeah. You know, w- which bits of this matter? And um, I can remember um, when we were selling um, our house and people were like, oh, no, don't sell your house. You'll never get back into the market. Yeah. Oh, no. But what about your family stability? You've got to have a house and all yeah. this stuff. And all along we were just like, <laughs> we're like really solid as a family yeah. and as long as we're all together and we've got our health and whatever, like none of that, it'll all just figure itself out. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, all these years later, we still don't own a house. <coughs> <laughs> Not sure that we ever will. Um, and, you know, like, you know, I look at our kids, they're all doing fine. Not without challenges, they're for sure. Um, but, yeah, you, you work out really quickly when you get thrown a couple of curveballs yeah. what what matters and what doesn't and then I think that gives you the capacity to think more it certainly did for me think more about the other people around me um yeah so yeah that's a good answer I think you've got to work out what your purpose is mm. what 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 drives your passion and I, I, don't, I don't think the education system sets people up to work that out. I yeah. think we squash our dreamers mm. <laughs> and yeah, our visionaries sure. with rules and, um, you know, banking information into them that they can repeat like little puppets. Yeah. But um, we need to release the dreamer from us and find our purpose. Yeah. And what is that? And and I, I believe for a more whole world it's the dreamers that can bring that compassion and care for neighbour in a way that really matters and is tangible and um, I think you've got to find your tribe that are, that also sing that same song in their heart yeah. that then you can take on the, the really big monsters that are around us because there's a lot of them and homelessness yeah. is just one of many. Yeah, um, yeah what is your why? Why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah. And if it and if it's some sort of and work out what it is rolling around in your head that is your why, then pull it apart and work out where it came from. Because yeah. if the first thing that comes to your mind is to pay the mortgage to have security yeah. for the house and la la la, it's that's been banked. The trees, right? Yeah, you've banked that in by the system that you're in. It, yeah. it, there's more to life than that. Yeah, I I think like asking yourself the question like, you know. Like you said, like, is this useful and why am I doing this? Because, you know, I think all 
you know, for lack of a better word, big, big word for it, but all enlightenment comes from awareness. Once we start to build awareness, we can then kind of, you know, answer those questions with, you know, our eyes wide open rather than kind of just going through life with tunnel vision on and going, well, you know, there's all of these things I could experience, but hey, I've got to pay the mortgage, I've got to pay the bills, um, which is obviously, a, you know, not necessarily a mortgage, but bills and cost of living is part of life. So we've kind of, like we said before, we've got to play the game. Um, but I try and make sure I make all of my decisions based on what my values are. So, um, you know, during the lockdowns, you know, gym was closed for, for a big chunk of time. Like my two biggest values are people in place. Like I, I want to be in places that with people I love in a nutshell. Um, so when we were kind of going, well, what do we do with the gym? What we, do we open it? Do we close it? Do we do online programs? Do we do X, Y, Z. Everything came back to, okay, well, how can we support and contribute to our people and how can we, you know, make sure that the place is here ready to open back up when we're, when we're ready to. And that just that almost that purpose or that why kind of gave us the strength to keep going um, and to keep showing up and, and keep um, keep finding different ways to contribute. Um, do you guys have, and I'm sure you do, but do you guys have days where you go, oh, this is all too hard, I don't know what to do anymore? And yeah, they have them from Sunday <laughs> yeah. through to Sunday again, <laughs> every week. Yeah, what keeps you going? When, like, when, <laughs> like on those days and on, the, on those harder days, what keeps you going? Is it leaning back to that purpose, leaning back to that why? Yeah, yeah. And and just spending time with people and really seeing them. I think a, a couple of years ago before lockdown, or maybe it was during lockdown, <laughs> lockdown was a um, and COVID is such a, just want to say, such a helpful thing for us in the topic that we're talking about. Yeah. Suffering helps you to pull apart all of the structures that you've put within yourself yeah. that have created the little robots that we become yeah. and we need we need to pull them apart yeah. we need and and that one of those greatest the greatest circuit breaker i can think of is suffering yeah. which is a bit of a shame because none of us really like it or want to do it That's but where all the growth comes from yeah um, yeah a little handball of suffering is, is helpful um, but during that period, I really started to um, spend about a lot of time considering how each person is gift and there's n- never going to be another version of that individual ever, ever. And and that's such a powerful thought. Oh, yeah. So to spend time with someone, even someone that annoys the crap out of me, and there's a <laughs> lot of them out there. You've seen society, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and recognise that and just um, be present with that and the understanding that this is gift. Yeah. And I then want to get a bit more fight in me to make sure that that person has every opportunity to experience healing, experience acceptance, a life that has more to it than um, the fear that they've been living with and, and doors shut and all of those horrible things that our young people have experienced. But, yeah, yeah so so being present and truly listening. N- not all of us have developed the skill to listen to another person. Often when we're talking to folks or someone's, someone's sharing themselves, we're thinking about what we're going to say next. Mm. And it's just something that we do. We're human. Um, but the, the problem with that is you miss the person. It's a bit about you then. It's not about that person. So finding ways to really consider the gift that is the others around you yeah. um, and 
maybe you might not be quite as upset when they cut you off in traffic or walk <laughs> in front of you because yeah. they realise they got stuff going on. Oh yeah, their life isn't easy. That they're, they're dealing with a dose of that suffering right now or whatever it might be. Yeah, and it allows us to be a little bit more humanising. Yeah, I've got, got a friend that whenever we hang out, he'll send me a message afterwards say thank you for sharing time and space. And I just love that, just that whole idea of when you're with someone, you be with them. And it's something that I struggle with all the time because there's, you know, 17 messages going off at a time and emails and there's all of these different things. But I think that that's something that, you know, whether we're good at it or not, we can always come back to that of, okay, be present, share the time, share the space and engage in a way that, drives curiosity and drives interest and drives learning and introspection as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Sleep in Your Car event. So obviously a big part of this is kind of an awareness play, but well, let's talk about action and what you guys are doing for an ev- from an event perspective. Um, 6th of August at Moynton Park. Yep. Tell us everything <coughs> we need to know. Okay, so Sleep in Your Car... Um has been around for how many years? How many years have we been doing it? Well, we had those gap of years that I think they might have been 20 years in three, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's around six, seven years now. Bit of fuzziness. Yeah. 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 So Feels. six or seven years. Um, so, yeah, so in a nutshell, it is just uh, – it's an event in Mornington Park um, and it's uh, at, at the end of um, Homelessness Week. So it's a week where um, a lot of orgs, yeah, really focus on – um, the issue of homelessness. Um, so it's very deliberate that it's in the middle of winter. Um, we ask people to come out on a cold, often wet, windy night. <laughs> um, but it is, yeah, it's about coming together as a community, um, learning some stuff. So we draw together other services um, that, that, we, um, that we work with. Uh, so we have, you know, we have speakers, we have entertainment, we have food and... Um, and then, yeah, then we ask people to to sleep in their car um, and that's part of the empathy um, aspect of it to yeah. to build some awareness of what what that might be like for somebody who has to do that on a, yeah. you know, daily, daily basis. Um, so, yeah, so it's awareness and fundraising. Yeah. How, do, how do people get involved? Yeah, so you, you jump on our website. Yeah, um, which is... Um, Hmm. If you Google Fusion Peninsula, <laughs> you'll get there. Don't it's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's a Go Fundraise. It's all pretty standard fundraising. Um, yep. You you create the Virtus team. Yep. You sign up. Just you, for me to do. That's yeah, today's job. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and yeah, you, you get your friends and family and, and your mates to support you. Yeah. Um, but it really is a great, it is a really good night. Um, despite all the <laughs> things that appear unpleasant about it. Um, it's always just really fun. And it, it, there is just something really special about, I don't know, just that coming together. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And I guess that like empathy, uh, you know, ideally we don't have to always experience what the other person have experienced to be able to develop empathy, but this is an opportunity for everyone to, you know, for at least 12 hours, put yourself in the shoes of people that, aren't as fortunate as mm. we are. And challenge yourself. Mm. Now I've thought about these things, what yeah. what could be different about my life? What changes could I make? Yeah. How will I appreciate what is around me? Those sorts of things. We, we're calling this a first step in empathy. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to solve all the problems of the world, but what it can do is 
get a bunch of people open their hearts to caring about someone that's not themselves and that's um, a massive thing for our society and um, in that action you actually will be paying for a roof over people's heads the money goes directly to our local center yep. and um, you've you know it's also a community event so you, you can invite your mates to come and come down we've got free Burma cafe get some yeah. Burmese curry so good yep. and um, and listen to um, stories and 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 things that might help you to consider how you live your life differently that can benefit those around you in your sphere of influence. And I think also um, over the COVID years, we were still able to run the event. Um, it wasn't in the park. We did it online. Um, and the great thing about that was it was a really good way for um, more people to be able to engage with it. So there were families um, who perhaps weren't able to, you know, sleep in their car, you know, traditionally um, as, we, as we'd been doing it. So people slept on, you know, the floor in their lounge room. They <laughs> slept, you know, in a tent in the back garden. Yep. They got really creative with just doing something different um, than, you know, just sleeping in their bed at home on that night. Yep. Um, so that's that's still a possibility as well. So if there are, are families who want to engage but don't want to all sleep in their car at the park, um, they could go home, you know, sleep out in the lounge room. Like yep. the, there's lots of ways you can interact with it. Just yeah. a shift away from the norm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Again, that. just about that, yeah, thinking about it. Yes, and we named it Sleep in Your Car because um, a lot of the social awareness is someone that's homeless is in their 40s, they've ruined their life through yeah. alcohol and dra um, drink, you know, gambling or something and they're somewhere down in Melbourne in an alley yeah. um, smelling pretty rough yeah. and the reality is that that's only, what, six, four, four to 6%. We haven't seen the new yeah. census data on this yet, but traditionally we say it's 4 to 6% of people experiencing homelessness in Australia. Yeah. But it is those overcrowded ha homes where someone said, look, I you can stay here tonight, <coughs> but there's yeah. the couch yeah. or there's, you know, a roller mat on the floor or someone sleeping in their car with their yeah. family or they've um, managed to pay for a, a caravan at a caravan park for a period of time. Yeah. Homelessness is about the stability of the housing mm -hmm. that um, exists for someone. And yeah. for a large percentage of those folks, it's... Um, and, and a lot of those are, are young people in our in our region. Yeah, it, it's the st stats are quite shocking. And I would say that when we start getting the census data out this time round, we'll yeah. mm, be, yeah. be a fright. Yeah. Yeah. What's um? So those mi misconceptions. What are the? You know, from I guess your pre-fusion life to your post-fusion life. What's what are those misconceptions that you were kind of, you know, dumbstruck by? that kind of just whacked you in the face because you're like, like, I didn't realise that, this or that. What did you learn? Oh, look, I think for me, I mean, I grew up in a pretty middle-class, eastern Melbourne, suburban kind of life. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't really have any concept other than the stereotypes. Yeah. Because um, I guess that's where that's where yeah. my brain definitely goes, right? Yeah. We talk about homelessness. Yeah, you absolutely the, do. You know, the you know, a person and blanket on the side on the, of the road in yep, the city or... Definitely, you know, working in the city in my early, <laughs> you know, early 20s, you know, the people in the doorway or what have you, that was um, that was definitely, yeah, my view. And so, um, yeah, I think, yeah, having that challenged and, and seeing the people, like when you start to look beyond 
what the challenge might be um, and recognise that this is a young person who is of value and of equal value to any any one of us and that just with a bit of help that their life can just get completely turned around. Um, And, you know, I think the stereotypes of, um, I don't know, drugs, alcohol, socioeconomics, certainly certainly some of that is, you know, part of it, but not always. Um, Yeah. I think we'd all be surprised at, you know, like one significant thing going wrong in our lives can set us off on a completely different path. So it could be, I don't know, dad in the family getting injured at work, can't work anymore, and like the snowball effect of what that could do to a family. So like, there's just so many scenarios of of how things can change so quickly. Yeah, and most of most of the time in your experience is it not the fault it's obviously not the fault of the person it's the you know being part of a system that doesn't support um when things like that happen yeah it's tricky it's tricky lucky um i haven't yet met a single person that's never made a mistake yeah (laughs) and a lot of us uh, have benefited from our mistakes some people don't have the kind of stability in their world yep. to deal with one yep. or, or mo- the multiple that come their way. And, and so strengthening someone's capacity to live in a complex world mm. is what we do. Yep. And that might be helping them to know who's who in their community that is stable yep. and helpful and, can help them. and to help them to develop skills to be able to work attend school, um, attend whatever medical help that's needed um, until they they can operate a little bit more independently. But none of us should be existing in a society independently. Yep. We are interconnected, and but we turn our backs on certain pe- certain ones. And um, I think that that's the ugly, ugly part of it. I think I, I'm often shocked that someone can get to the age of 16, 17 and have so much hurt that their their behaviour comes out in such a s- intense way but all behaviour is caused. S- you know, I think 16 <clears throat> years ago this, this was a little bubba in someone's arms. Yeah. Tiny little sponge of a brain yeah. ready for life. What happened to you? It's it's fascinating, almost like thought experiment, right? Is like, you know, the person that flips you off when they cut you off in tra- when you cut them off in traffic, or the, you know, the f- the person that you know that's really annoying, or the the f- the person that you just can't stand. Like everyone at one point in time was that little, mm. you know, gorgeous, you know, defenseless little baby, and every every single person on earth was that yeah. way. And it's and you know, it's easy to look at different people and kind of go, oh, they've always been this way. But you know, we are a product of our environment and we're product of our um, product of our upbringing and product of where we're, you know, where we're, where we're born and, and what we do and the decisions we make and, and what, we, what we choose. But so much of it is outside of our control. Um, and I think that it's, you know, that starting with empathy and being able to go, okay, well, this person was a little baby. <laughs> like even just, just to think that is kind of a, a mind-blowing thought process mm. that surely kind of 
gives you an opportunity to go, yeah, right, well, maybe they haven't had the same level of support and um, and even safety net that most you know, so many people have and a lot of people listening to this podcast would have. You know, they've got the... I know if I fuck up and make a mistake that you know, there's a community of people that are here to help and support and things like that and some people just are not fortunate enough to have community. What advice would you have for, for people who are struggling to engage in and, and, you know, be a part of a community? Yeah, reaching out is really hard mm. for so many of us, isn't it? There's different things that you've got to learn how to be. Some of them is about um, vulnerability and transparency. Yeah. Um, uh, but just keep knocking on those doors. Look for places in your local area and go and talk to people. It might be some of us go and um, check out a few church mobs. There's community drop-in centres. Uh, there's a great one down in Main Street Mornington, the information centre. You can get a free coffee from Monday to Thursday, free and a, and a toasty. There's folks that will chat to you. Home Ground Cafe, brilliant place for that. Yep. Um, yeah, where others gather where other people gather, and it might not be the first place you go to that fo- is your fit, but you've got to keep trying. Just like when you, you know, you go to a doctor and the first one isn't your vibe, <laughs> yeah. you've got to try yeah. another one try and get a second yeah. opinion. Keep getting those second opinions. Yeah. But, um, st- yeah, seeking ways to be connected and um, work out, uh, you prioritise that as a value, really. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, Sometimes it's a and it's a give and take. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that give and take is really important. Like, yeah, you know, you want to be a part of community. I look at community and and friendships even as like a bank account. Like, we want to be able to make withdrawals when we need it, and we want to be able to make deposits when we need it. We want to be able to contribute back um, in different ways, and it almost helps us drive drive that quality and drive that connection if it goes both ways. And it, you know, there's. I guess a big part of being a community is is the support that it gives you and what it what it enables you. But the big part of it is you being able to contribute and make that community better and make the world a better place through your own actions and things like that as well. Do you are you both? And this is a question for both of you that I want you to answer independently. Are you with all of your experience and all that you've seen and been through? Um, along the journey, are you inherently optimistic or pessimistic about the state of the world and and future? Oh, I'm optimistic. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So many reasons why, but um, I don't know. I'll just give you one example. So we have um, a young girl who lives with us. She's been with us for. I don't know, nearly a year. She's doing year 12. She'll be the first person in her family to do year 12. Um, she has so many, so much, so many challenges, um, but she's smashing year 12. She's Brilliant. got a part-time job. She's um, part of the L2P um, driver learning program that the council supports. So yep. she has a mentor driver. She drives. They've worked out how, how, how long it's going to take her to get her hours by the yep. time she's, you know, able to get her licence. Like she's just achieving all these amazing things despite the challenges that her life threw at her. Um, and that makes me feel optimistic. <laughs> like I think if, if she can be overcoming all these things, 
you know, and in the midst of just being a normal 17-year-old as well, um, yeah, then, you know, there's hope. <laughs> Definitely hope. Yeah, there's always hope. What are you, Gemma? Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm an optimistic person and I gravitate towards let's get this done. <laughs> but if I, I, I think that I've seen enough monsters to know they're not going anywhere. But I also truly believe that with true compassion, you can absorb the hurt from the monsters that then brings healing to others. So the, if the, the more of us truly learn how to be compassionate people, truly learn how to empathise, more Swanton families that can have young <laughs> girls stay with them or boys or whoever, oh, yeah. non-binary folk, whatever, yeah. to be um, that host family – can do something that there is a sacrifice to themselves yeah. so another person can find life in a m- more whole way than they've had it before, that absorbs the monsters yeah. and the pain that they will continue to put out. Mm. They're not going anywhere, so compassion needs to stay present amongst us. Yeah. And that that's the battle of good and evil. It's why we like Star Wars, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know the, yeah. The empire is hard to get rid of. It's not probably not going anywhere, but we've got to we've got to keep being present with hope, with love, with compassion and kindness, yeah. empathy, and it's hard work. It's painful, but it's worth it. It's worth getting up in the morning. Hundred percent. Mm. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm optimistic knowing there's people like you guys in the world. Well, you're <laughs> one of those people, Lockie. You've got yeah. that too. Um, anything else you guys would like to add before we finish up? Thank you for having us. Thank Thanks you for listening. For That's a long yeah. time of us talking, you know. I'm not going to say crap, but, no, you know. It was, yeah. it was very important. <laughs> it was very important. And, um, and the uh, yeah, there'll be a Virtus, Virtus team for Sleep in Your Car event. So, you know, if you're, uh, if you're sitting at home listening or watching this or you're driving in your car, let's, um, let's tee it up and, and get down there on the 6th of August yep. and we can make it happen. Yeah, um, Thank you guys That'd so be much great. for coming And on. I also, just to yeah. a, a very small incentive for yes. people to join the team, I've got 10 beanies here. So the first 10 people who join the team get yep. a free beanie. Oh, heck is that. Excellent. <laughs> and if anyone's listening and they're like, you know what, I want to talk to someone about what it might mean to rent out a room in my house. Yep. Yeah. Contact us. Yep. Have a yarn. We can support young people that are – at that step yep. ready for that and yep. it will change your life for the better and change someone else's life and any other ideas that you've got give us a buzz awesome love that thanks lucky thank you have a good day <laughs>